Hey, what's up? <laughs> if I were younger, I could sing like that. <laughs> right. Oh, I love that song. I just, I love to, I, 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 I have a pair of Bose headphones at home. You, you know this. Noise canceling headphones at home that I put on. And then I just crank that. And just, hi, everybody. We're glad you're with us. Thank you. Things are a little bit different this morning. And our guys are working on technical issues like our sound here in the sanctuary and EQing that and all. I uh, hope that's translating well to you over the internet. Help me out with that, uh, Jeff, if you would. And so here's what we're doing. Because when we put our live stream uh, out over Facebook in, in what's called Facebook Live, Facebook blocks copyrighted content. Help me out. Still ringing for me, guys. Um, so if, if that happens, if you're watching any of our services and it like goes dark, it's probably and almost always during a video, a video that we've uh, pulled off of YouTube and are playing back for you. If that happens, just go over to the website, the Genesis Church website, and go to the messages page, and we're live there, all right? So what we did this morning for Facebook is we just put the URL in to Facebook for our website, and that's why we're doing this. So we're not doing Facebook Live for those reasons. Okay. Little disclaimer there. Just so you know. Okay, well, we're hoping everybody got hooked up okay with us this yeah. morning. Yeah. Let us know. Text, text if you need help, and Nina will help you. <laughs> right. That's 720 What is your number? 720 Yeah, we have to be slow three, if anybody's three, really going to two, text. 720 3323, three, three. yeah. yeah. Feel she, free to text. She monitors her text, and that way you can let us know if there's a problem or issue, and she can help you. Yeah. And we welcome those of you who are here in the sanctuary today. Yes, thank you yeah. for being here. A few announcements. Um, this Thursday, we will be praying together via Zoom. If you would like to join us, watch for the Zoom link in your email if you're part of the Genesis Church family. If you're not, feel free to email us, and we'll be happy to send you a Zoom link. Will you be going live on Facebook with that? Uh, for the prayer. for the prayer meeting, no. Okay. Will. So you'll need the Zoom link if okay. you're going to join us for Thursday prayer. All right. Tell your friends that you're here this morning. Go out to Facebook and tell them we're at Genesis Church this morning. Come join us. There's still plenty of time to join in. Great message planned for this morning. It's called... It's about metanoia. I don't know if you were here last week and heard the part one, but part two is going to be forgiven by love and debt canceled. So invite some friends to come along. For those of you who are aware that we've been collecting food and PPE products for the City of Thornton Food Banks, I want to let you know that program has ended. The City of Thornton has uh, received a grant, a, a nice grant, to help the folks in need in the Thornton area. And so the blue barrels out here in front of St. John's will be removed and the program is ended. Thank you for your giving that you've been doing along the way these last few months. 
Speaking of giving, thank you for your tithes and offerings and your continued giving that way, which does continue to help us as we uh, hold strong here during COVID. And of course, your giving is unto the Lord, and um, we know how wonderful that is. So there's online giving through the web. You can just go out to our website. Uh, you can text to give. I Probably the slide is up there. It's 720-730-8510. And before Matt and Lisa come to lead us in worship this morning, I would just like to uh, start at this part of our service with, with prayer. Amen. We had a lot of fast things happen right in the beginning. So, Father, we, you are the breath in our lungs. Jesus, you are as that song was talking about, the breath in our lungs. You are life itself. And so right now we focus on you. We come to you even through this media of, of uh, live streaming. And for those in the sanctuary, it's different than what we're used to. And so we have to focus a little bit more. So we focus in on you, Lord Jesus. And I thank you for speaking to our hearts and to everyone who's listening. And, and for those who might, who might not be listening right now, we pray for those who might just listen for a minute a little bit later, that it would be just at the right minute that they would hear something that ministers to their hearts. Because Jesus, you are alive and you are well. And in the midst of the chaos of our world right now, you're doing just fine. And you have a word for us and you have something that would minister to our hearts and bring us peace and calmness and love and joy. And so I just thank you for that this morning, that it happens in our midst, whether people are here in the sanctuary or here by live stream or here by recording later on that you're speaking to hearts. We love you, Lord Jesus. We thank you for your love and care for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Matt and Lisa are going to come now and lead us in a couple of worship courses. Enjoy. Good morning, everybody. We have to follow that incredible worship video. It made me feel a little insecure. <laughs> but what it did remind me of is that God's not listening to the instruments and the, all the production. He's listening to you, you singing to him. And uh, so sing along with us. Sing from your heart. Sing to God. Morning breaks in glory. 
at your name. Creation sings its story. At your name, angels will bow. The earth will rejoice. Your people cry out. Lord of all the earth, be shout your name, shout your name, filling up the skies with endless praise, endless days. Yahweh, Yahweh, we love to shout your name, oh Lord. There is no one like our God, we will praise you, praise you. There's no one like our God, we will sing. We will sing, there is no one like our God. We will praise you, praise you. There's no one like our God. We will sing, we will sing. There is no one like our God. We will praise you, praise you. Jesus, you are God. We will sing. Lord of all the earth, we shout your name, shout your name. Filling up the skies with endless praise, endless praise. Yahweh, Yahweh, we love to shout your name, oh, Lord of all the earth. We shout your name, shout your name. Filling up the skies with endless praise, endless praise. Yahweh, Yahweh, we love to shout your name, oh, Lord. Oh, Yahweh, Yahweh, we love to shout your name, oh, Lord. Sing that one more time. Oh, Yahweh, Yahweh, we love to shout your name, oh, Lord. Father, we love you. We thank you for this beautiful weather. We thank you for sunshine and life. We thank you for the grace that you pour into our lives. We thank you for revelation and all of the things that are going on in our lives that are bringing us closer to you. We know that you orchestrate those things and we love you. I'm caught up in your presence. I just want to sit here at your feet. I'm caught up in this holy moment and I never want to leave. Oh, I'm not here for blessings. Jesus, you don't owe me anything more than anything that you can do I just want you I'm sorry when I've just gone through the motions I'm sorry when I just sang another song take me back to where we started I open up my heart to you I'm sorry when I've come with my agenda. I'm sorry 
When I forgot the children enough to take me back to where we started, I open up my heart to you. I'm caught up in your presence. I just want to sit here at your I'm caught up in this holy moment. I never want to leave. Oh, I'm not here for blessings. Jesus, you don't owe me anything more than anything that can do. I just want you. I just want you. Nothing else. Nothing else. Nothing else will do. I just want you. Nothing else. Nothing else. Nothing else will do. I just want you. Nothing else. Nothing else. Nothing else will do. I just want you. Nothing else. Nothing else. Nothing else will do. I just want you. Nothing else, nothing else, Jesus, nothing else will do. I just want you. Nothing else, nothing else, nothing else will do. I just want you. Nothing else, nothing else. Nothing else will do. I'm caught up in your presence. I just want to sit here at your feet. I'm caught up in this holy moment, and I never want to leave. Oh, I'm not here for blessings. Jesus, you don't owe me anything, more than anything that can do I just want you I'm caught up in your presence I just want to sit here at your feet I'm caught up in this holy moment I never, never want to leave.
Praise God. Father, we thank you for the moments when you touch our lives and you connect with us. You're always there. Sometimes we forget and sometimes we get distracted by things. And we thank you, Father, for allowing us to just come back into your presence and feel your presence. Wow. Wow, guys. I don't know. It just gets better every week. I just... I love what you're doing. Thank you so much for your commitment and uh, what a joy it is. How are we doing? Can we go ahead and turn uh, the lights back on, please? Thank you. Amen. We might make a couple of adjustments to the camera uh, in this time, so uh, I'll waste some time. <laughs> now, really, again, thank you for being here. Those of you in the sanctuary, we appreciate your attendance. And uh, wow, who could have imagined this convergence of uh, a pandemic, a worldwide pandemic, uh, uh, now a financial epidemic, and uh, the, the power centers of the world. Um, the power centers of the world, both human and financial are being looked at critically and uh, and being re-examined and, and then of course the in our own country at least especially in our own country I know it's be, being considered around the world the issues that we're having right with right now with the epidemic of racism and uh, this is systemic uh, the racism that's existed in America for certain and um, it, it's not quickly resolved. It's been over 400 years, actually, since this uh, systemic racism began and has, has been prevalent in our country. So we have this convergence of powers and this convergence of brokenness and this convergence uh, of kingdoms and, and, and upheaval. And we have such a need for the gospel. We have such a need for a clear word coming from scripture, coming from the church, and coming from our lives. And uh, I hope that what we're doing here is helping bring that clear word to you. Amen. Could we just get a little bit further adjustment, please, on my mic inside here? <clears throat> Thanks. Bring it down a little bit. It's, yeah, it's just... Thank you very much. Y'all can hear me okay? We'll bring it down just a little bit more. We don't need that for me. Okay, good. Thank you so much. All right, today we're going to continue with part two of our brand new series called Metaneo. I've entitled it Forgiven by Love. Debt Canceled. What is God like? Is he loving? Is he kind? Is he angry? Is he judgmental? Does he require a process of shame and sorrow and regret and turning from sin to right behavior before he'll talk to us? Is it possible that religious teachings about repenting before an angry God have replaced the Jesus revelation of the welcoming arms of a gracious, loving, Christ-like 
Father. This series is going to unpack those questions and focus on this one word, metaneo. Metaneo is a Greek word. It means repentance. Let me back up and come at that from a different angle. The common definition in religious circles and the way it's taught in evangelicalism is that it means repentance. The actual Greek word does not mean that. The actual Greek word means to change your mind. The common religious thought about repentance is to feel remorse or regret for your sin. We've even adopted the meaning of needing to pay, to do penance, make a payment for sin. Commonly, it's also deteriorated into confession of sin. So hand in hand with feeling bad, feeling sorry, feeling grief, and doing penance is confessing our sin. Whole doctrines, whole practices within our churches have been built around a misunderstanding of this word, metaneo. In 1980, uh, excuse me, in 198 AD, Tertullian, one of our church fathers, said, and I quote, in Greek, metaneo is not a confession of sins, but a change of mind. A friend of mine, a Hebrew scholar, says that it very simply means this, to center God's mind to center God's mind and thoughts as our own. Last week, the big idea was all are welcome because all have been reconciled. This week, the big idea is you're not forgiven by asking for forgiveness. You are not forgiven by asking for forgiveness. Now, this goes directly across the, the grain of most religious teaching on repentance and on forgiveness and on sin and on the four spiritual laws and what it means to be born again and come to Christ and all of that. So I'm going to repeat it one more time. You are not forgiven by asking for forgiveness. Derek Floyd, in his book, Healing the Gospel, he said, and I quote, Understanding how the cross shows us the radical love of God is crucial because it affects how we can trust and open our lives to God's love. The reason I am so passionate about this series and this message on metaneo, and I'm going to take the time that it requires for us to really unpack these various thoughts and ideas and not rush through them. And the reason I'm so passionate about this series in particular, of all the series that I have ever taught, I think I am, am perhaps more passionate and um, I, I, I just am pulled, I'm, I'm, I'm driven, if you will, I'm, I'm searching for adjectives, to bring a, a, a clear word regarding 
what metaneo means because not to understand this affects how we trust and open our lives to God. Our scripture text is taken from Luke's gospel, if you'd like to join me there. It's found in Luke chapter 7, and we're going to begin reading in verse 36. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard that he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt down behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. And then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. Before we go any further, let me comment on these couple of verses. First of all, notice that this was a immoral woman. She had a tradecraft of being a prostitute. That was her immorality. As part of that trade, she would use very costly oils and perfumes. It was that that she had in an alabaster jar and brought with her. Imagine Jesus and his disciples being at a formal dinner of a Pharisee, a religious leader of that time. Jesus had been invited over for dinner. He brought his entourage, all the disciples. You can imagine other religious leaders were there in the room. And you can imagine that this Pharisee was putting on the Ritz. I mean, he wanted this to be nice. And so he had the servants all on cue and everything was just so and the room looked beautiful and they had really gone all out to have this guest, Jesus, over to his house. And here in a very formal setting of mostly men, there could have been a few women servants, in walks a prostitute known to all of them. She was a city street prostitute and she's carrying an alabaster jar a very, very expensive perfume. Now you say, well, how does she just walk into this room? How did she get in in the first place? Well, it's very common back in that day that the type of housing that they had was very open air. Maybe you've been to a hotel, I know I have, down in Mexico, where when we, uh, after we got to the hotel, we landed and took a, a, a long drive to get there and got to the hotel. It was very open air. The uh, the foyer and where you checked in and people moving about with their luggage, so on and so forth, getting checked in, restaurants, so forth. Very, I mean, there was, there was ceiling above us, there was building above us, but there weren't walls. It, it was very, it was just gorgeous, very special. And in a similar fashion, their housing back then was, was a lot more open than ours is. The doors weren't closed, they weren't locked. And, uh, in fact, people off of the street could often look in, uh, watch for a few minutes, see who's attending the dinner, so forth. So this woman, a prostitute off of the streets, walks into this dinner engagement with an alabaster jar. That's the setting. Verse 39, when the Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw this, he said to himself, not to Jesus, he said to himself, so he's thinking this, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. 
She's a sinner. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon said. Then Jesus told him a story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces of silver to the other. But neither of them could repay him, so he kindly forgave them. Mark that. He kindly forgave them, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Jesus asked Simon. Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, so he's still speaking to Simon, he turns to the woman, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust off of my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. I mean, think of that. I mean, back then it was common to, to wash dirty feet uh, prior to supper, foot washing was common, so that wasn't altogether different or odd or, oh my gosh, what is going on here? But to have a known city prostitute come in from the streets and get on her knees behind you and weep and cry to the point where her tears are so flowing out of her that they're dripping onto your feet. Think about this. So you're, you're, you're Jesus, right? And you're at this dinner party being thrown in your honor. Very formal. Religious leaders that need to be impressed and need to hear the Bible, the Word of God, or the Scriptures taught from this holy man, Jesus, who they're very suspicious of in the first place. And in comes this prostitute, and she's weeping and washing his feet and, and using her long hair to wipe his feet. This is what's going on. This is the setting. Jesus doesn't stop it. He doesn't recoil in disgust. He lets her do it. And then he uses this as an example to communicate about forgiveness and repentance. He turned to the woman and said, Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't give me any water wash my feet, but she's washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. And again, may I comment, not just rare perfume, tools of the trade. Jesus knew well what this perfume was being used for. Jesus knew well what the money was spent and, and, and the kind of money that it took to buy this perfume that she used in her trade. Her unrighteous, disgusting trade of prostitution. And he doesn't stop it. He doesn't recoil. He doesn't say, oh, get away from me. I'm, I'm a holy man. Verse 47, I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little 
shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. The men at the table said amongst themselves, who is this man that goes around forgiving sins? I, I've got that underlined in my Bible and Mark. I'd encourage you. It's one of the greatest scriptures. Verse 49, Luke 7. Who is this man that goes around forgiving sins? Everybody say it out loud. Who is this man who goes around forgiving sins? And in that moment, with that illustration, that real life example, Jesus introduces a new way of thinking called the Father Heart of God. And it forever changed the way that people would relate to the word to repent, to change your mind. The Father heart of God, love. Who is this man that just goes around loving people regardless of their career, regardless of their brokenness, regardless of their sin, regardless of what they're involved in in their lifestyle. Who is this man that goes around just embracing them, letting them close to him, letting them touch him, and just forgives their sin? He was revealing the heart of God. I'd like to take just about 40 seconds, and our sound team is going to media team uh, it's going to show you a brief video here's what i want you to do is look at the screen intently it's very important that you watch this video now very carefully right it begins with one perspective and one angle it's a statue it's a it's a video of a statue and then the person starts walking over to the right of the statue right so i want you to watch this very carefully watch completely don't turn your eyes off of it Watch it till it's end. Let's go, guys. You see, it's essential that we understand and interpret Scripture in the light of the Old Testament and the New Testament. Excuse me, let me rephrase that. It's essential we understand how to interpret the Scripture in light of the New Testament, especially when we're reading the Old. Lack of understanding this leads to preaching and believing elements about the Old Testament and believing that elements, certain elements of the Old Testament, as though they were for today. As we read our Bible, we've got to ask ourselves, is this spoken about something concerning the time before the cross? Or is this spoken about something regarding after the cross, after the time of the cross? Again, 
we must look with the proper perspective at all scripture that we read. Otherwise, we risk bringing over elements in the Old Testament and acting as though they're New Testament principles. Okay? Look with me at uh, Mark's Gospel, chapter 11. We're going to have it up here on the screen. Mark chapter 11 and verse 26. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father who is in heaven forgive your transgressions. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father who is in heaven forgive your transgressions. Here's another one. Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 through 15. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now, notice the emphasis here. Notice the emphasis on you. Okay? I've got to stand up. <laughs> I've just got to move. I've got to move. How often have we read the words of Jesus? These are the words of Jesus. They're in red in your Bible. How often have we read these words of Jesus and interpreted them as being for today? And they're not. We're talking about the difference between law and grace. These verses that I've just read to you are the words of Jesus. They are in red. He did speak them. And Christian teachers and leaders and sincere but ignorant believers are mixing what was under the law before the cross with what comes after the cross and should be grace. You can't mix what came before the cross and practice it as though it applied to after the cross kind of living. You can't mix grace and law. You can't mix what happened before the cross with what happened after the cross. You can't pour new wine into old wineskins, Jesus said, or else the skin is going to burst. You won't get the benefit from either then. And today's church is plagued with these mixtures of grace and law because we say, listen to me, now we say this, well, it's in the Bible. That does not make it part of the New Testament grace that we are supposed to be believing and acting on or living by. Just because it's in the Bible doesn't mean it's something I'm supposed to live by today. It might be before the cross. It might have applied to a time and to Old Testament believers who were before the cross, but it's changed. Something's changed in fact, categorically changed, and it's different today. Let me show you what I mean. So, keeping in mind the two verses that we just read, and let me refresh your memory on those. Jesus said in Mark chapter 11, if you don't forgive, neither will your Father who is in heaven forgive your trans. Neither will he. If you, you is the emphasis, if you, if what you do, if you don't forgive, God won't forgive you. Then he says in Matthew chapter 6, if you forgive people their sins, God will forgive you. If you don't forgive people their sins, 
God will not forgive you. The emphasis again is on you, what you do, and then God will respond. Now, notice the difference here. That's Old Covenant. That's Old Testament. When Jesus stated that, made those statements, he was speaking to people who were still under the law. He was teaching them principles that were under the law, and they were for an Old Covenant people, and they were before the cross. Everybody say before the cross. Those two verses that I just read to you, the very words of Jesus, were before the cross. Say it again, before the cross. And so there are many things that were stated in Scripture before the cross that we do not translate over and bring into our lives after the cross. Why? Because they changed. Because those things changed. And we don't live under that law anymore. Now we live under the law of grace. Here's a good example now. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 13. Bearing with one another and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must forgive. You see how it's been flipped after the cross? Before the cross, it was, if you don't forgive, God won't forgive you. After the cross, it's, I want you to forgive as you have been. For Here's another example. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 32. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. You see, after the cross, forgiveness applies to everyone. Regardless of whether you forgive somebody else their sin, forgiveness comes from God on the basis of the cross and resurrection of Jesus. So post the cross, forgiveness isn't something that we have to ask for. It's not something that God meets out in response to what you do. Forgiveness is something that God gives us because of what Christ did. Forgiveness isn't you do this and I'll do that. Let's throw that slide up, Jeff, because I know I went past it. Go ahead and put it back up for me. Forgiveness isn't if you do this, then I'll do that. Here's what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is I've done this whether you ever do that. You see that? Forgiveness cancels a debt without negotiating. Forgiveness cancels debt without negotiating. So something changed after the cross. Something changed after the resurrection. Our entire life, our entire relationship with God changed after the cross. It's not the same. And you cannot take Old Testament principles. You can't even take the words of Jesus taught in the gospel let me back up. You cannot take everything Jesus said that's in the Gospels and just apply it to the Christian walk after the cross. It doesn't apply. Some of the things Jesus said were meant for people before the cross, and they've changed after the cross. Say it again. Before the cross, after the cross. Say it again with me. Before the cross, after the cross. 
So our relationship with God and our relationship to repentance and forgiveness and sin changed after the cross compared to before the cross. Before the cross, if you didn't forgive, God wouldn't forgive your sin. That's what Jesus said. So you need to forgive. But it was based on something you do. You have to do it. You have to behave in a certain way. You have to participate. You have to negotiate, if you will, that forgiveness. But after the cross, it's not that way. After the cross, it's, hey, I want you to forgive as you've been forgiven. Use Jesus as your example. Jesus forgave you. He did it just out of mercy and grace because he loves you. This is the heart of God the Or to forgive others as well based on how you were forgiven. Forgiveness. Let's put this up, guys. I want everybody to see this. Forgiveness isn't God's response to obedience. Rather, obedience is the result of understanding God has already forgiven us. See, we're justified by love, not by law. Now, it's interesting. This woman didn't meet any of the requirements of the law in order to be forgiven. She was not a candidate. Nothing about this woman deserved to be forgiven. She was a, quote, immoral woman. She didn't meet the requirements for forgiveness. She didn't meet the requirements of the law. What happened to her is she had an encounter with grace. She had an encounter with the living Jesus. She had an encounter with the heart, the Father heart of God called love. And isn't it interesting? Stay with me now. Watch this, everybody. Watch this. Look right, and I'm going to look right into the camera. I want to look right into your eyes. You're watching me, okay? Listen to this. It's so important. Notice that Jesus did not speak one word to her using the common language of repentance or the need for her to change her behavior. He didn't speak to her at all about what we commonly call repentance. Not one word. Not one word about you need to change your behavior or else God's not going to forgive you. You need to stop selling your body. You need to stop that immoral behavior or you can't be close to God. In fact, she was all over touching Jesus' feet. This is one of the things that upset that pharisaical leader that was hosting the party. How dare he? It, it, how, how can he be a prophet? Doesn't he know who's touching him? Forgiveness doesn't require punishment. Forgiveness is never received in exchange. Rather, it's received instead. Neither faith nor repentance persuades God to forgive. Rather, they are the natural responses to the revelation of what God has already done. The Bible says Jesus took away the sin of the world. The Bible says, Paul, this was Paul's gospel, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. 
Now, don't be deceived. Sin still has consequences. Paul said the wages of sin are death. Okay? The wages of sin is still death. Judgment is self-activated. If you choose to live in sin, there's going to be consequences to that sin. And it doesn't come from God's hand. Sin won't affect how God connects to you, but it will change how you feel towards and believe about Him. Who is this man that goes around forgiving sin? Who is this man who thinks that he can just forgive sin? Verse 49. Now, did anybody notice this? Jesus was forgiving sin before he died and went to the cross. Did anybody notice? <laughs> Who is this man that just freely goes around forgiving sin? Who's not afraid to allow this immoral world, this broken, disgusting world of unbelievers who don't obey the law, who don't do what's required to have a relationship with God. Now I'm going to move, cameraman. Who is this man that thinks he can come and preach and tell us about God and represent God and he allows the immorality of this world to touch him, the disgusting things of this world, and he preaches grace and love like it's okay. And, and, and this, was a, this was a paramount evil. This was deception on 100 scale, okay? This got Jesus stoned, or I mean they attempted. This, this was the reason, one of the reasons they tried to throw Jesus off of a cliff. It's because he claimed to be God who could forgive sin. And he forgave this woman's sin, and he hadn't yet died and gone to the cross. Interesting. Next week, we're going to unpack, we're going to start unpacking the purpose of the cross, the purpose of Jesus' death. Why did Jesus have to die? Luke chapter 7, verse 34. The Son of Man, on the other hand, feasts and drinks, and you say he's a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Isn't that interesting? Who is this woman that he allows to touch him? Yeah, actually, Jesus was a friend of sinners. Luke chapter 15, verses 1 and 2. Tax collectors, and watch this, other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law complain that he was associating, oh my God, Jesus is associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. You just don't eat with sinful people. You don't go over to their house you don't have dinner with them, you don't let them touch them, and you sure don't let them wash your feet with their hair and their tears, Pour, using true tools of their trade, the trade of prostitution, to wash your feet. You sure, God would not do that. No, 
the law, the pharisaical religious law, won't do that. The Father heart of God absolutely does that because God was in Christ reconciling the whole world to himself. Can I ask you something? As we read this text of Luke chapter 7 and how Jesus treated this woman and what he said to her, where's the separation that religion teaches? Where's the concern for holiness? Where's the come out from among them and be separate? Where's the judgmental attitude which requires punishment? Hey, where's the four spiritual laws and the Roman road? We grew up with that, right? I used to teach that. I used to hand those tracts out. The four spiritual laws, the Roman road. What am I talking about? You've heard of that, right? Anybody heard of the four spiritual laws, right? The chick tracts? You've heard of that. The Roman road? What did both of those include? Here's a synopsis. Recognize that your sin has separated you from a holy God. Number two, repent. Choose to stop doing those immoral, sinful acts and behaviors. Number three, step number three, pray. Ask God to forgive all your sin. Number four, step four, receive. Ask Jesus to come into your heart. And number five, commit. Commit your life to a system, a routine, a practice of proper moral behavior, and join up. Start going to church, start singing in the choir, run, run the camera in the media department. you got to join up. Then you can join our tribe. Then you'll be considered a good Christian. And then you will be considered as one who repented and has been forgiven. Very interesting. Jesus required none of that of this woman and sent her away and said, your sins are forgiven you. And she never asked. She never asked. We do not confess our sins to be forgiven of our sins. Here's the Gospel of Paul, okay? These will be now just several verses. I'll read them. And they're sort of dovetailed into one another. They're not all from a, a chapter, one chapter, uh, or set of verses. So I can't tell you to go there. They're taken from three different chapters, in fact, between Ephesians and Colossians. Here we go. Here's the Gospel of Paul. Ready? We'll put it on the screen for you. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. And you who were dead in your trespasses, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with Jesus, having forgiven us all our trespasses and canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. Do you know where the idea of confession even comes from? The idea of confessing sin? It comes from 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9. Now, it's 1 John, not John. Our slide might show John chapter 1, verse 9, that's a typo. So it is 1 John chapter 1, 
Verse 9, look at this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Whole, whole doctrinal, theological underpinnings of, of the church have been built on that one misinterpretation of that verse. There are whole denominations that have built whole routines and practices based on that verse. Telling us and preaching the need to repent, to confess your sins. Some of you know what I'm talking about. My wife grew up as one of them. I'm not here to condemn anybody or to put anybody down. I'm, I'm pointing out a fact. I'm pointing out a fact here, okay? John chapter, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, again, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. However, here's the context of that. Verse 8, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins... He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This letter of 1 John was written to correct an error in deceptive teaching that was pervasive at the time and making its way through the local churches. It was called Gnosticism. We've got a ring here, Jeff. That... Gnosticism. And, and the Gnostics, they, they didn't believe in material possessions and they didn't believe in sin and so they didn't believe in a savior and they didn't believe that Jesus had come in the flesh it was all sort of mystical to them and so where they were teaching people you really don't need to confess your sins you don't need to worry about sin you don't need a savior there is no sin Jesus hasn't come in the flesh just Gnosticism First John was written specifically to the church to correct and deal with that error, that movement that was pervasive at the time. Secondly, the word confess here, used here, does not mean to tell God. It's a Greek word, homo legale, and it means to say the same thing, to agree with. Now watch this. Let's, let's do the context again. Verse 8. If we say we have no sin, like the Gnostic movement, that it doesn't matter, that Jesus didn't come in the flesh, we are deceiving ourselves. Sin. Jesus died for sin. On the other hand, if we confess if we agree with God, if we say the same thing God says about sin, then we'll stay out of deception and we can be sure that the blood of Jesus cleanses us of all unrighteousness. Hallelujah. See, we agree with God and we speak. All right? I'm going to have you all stand. Please, stand with me. You may want to stand there in our live stream audience where you're at at home. You've been sitting for...
the last 40 minutes. Come on, let's stand together because I want to lead you in a proper biblical confession. Not the religious idea of confessing sins. I want to lead you in a proper scriptural biblical New Testament confession. Here we go. Say it after me, please. You chose me before I was born. Before the world began. You redeemed me. And you forgave me while I was dead in sin. Before I knew Jesus. And acknowledged him as Savior. You canceled the entire record of debt. And all of the legal demands of the Old Testament that were against me. Dealing with sin, the sin of humanity, in your cross and resurrection. And now I forgive others just as your Father forgave me in Christ. Just as you, Father, forgave me in Christ. There's a proper confession. It agrees with what God says in His Word. It says the same thing God says about us in Christ, post the cross. And it's a proper confession of how God thinks about sin. Metaneo, to think differently. Metaneo, to put Christ's thinking, God's thinking at the center of my mind. It has nothing to do with suffering or punishment or grief or sorrow or confessing your moral lists of sin. It has to do with changing the way you think, changing the way you relate to God. We relate to God now through grace, not through the law. Now, as a precursor to next week, and we're going to close our service. You ready? And Jeff, what I'd like to do as we close, would you just put on that first video that we showed about five minutes prior to the start of service, and we'll let people enjoy that. As a peek to next week, I'm reading from Baxter Kruger, and I quote, Why did Jesus Christ die? What happened in His death? Jesus Christ died because the Father would not forsake us. Because the Father had a dream for us that He would not abandon. Because the love of the Father for us is endless and unflinching. And Jesus died because the only way to get from the fall of Adam to the right hand of the Father was through the crucifixion of the Adamic existence. Jesus Christ did not go to the cross to change God. He went to the cross to change us. He did not die to appease the Father's anger or to heal the Father's divided heart. Jesus Christ went to the cross to call a halt to the fall and to undo it and to convert fallen Adamic existence to His Father to systematically eliminate our estrangement so that He could accomplish His Father's dream for our adoption in His ascension. End quote. And with that, I leave you. Enjoy this uh, melody of song. Could we do a concert in here, please, Jeff?
harp if you would hold it. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. No wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. No shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. No wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down, fights till I'm falling, leaves at 99. And I couldn't earn it, I don't deserve it. Still, you give yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Christ is real. 